Just a quick word from our affiliates before we jump into the episode. SafePoint Loan Working App is a really simple way for you to manage loan working. Utilising what three words to get you pinpoint accuracy on the location of your people when you really need it. Get yourself a discount using the link and code in the description of this episode. Let's jump into today's podcast. everybody welcome back to rebranding safety i hope you had an amazing christmas break new year and all that are you an sme business owner a small medium-sized business owner then today's podcast is one for you you essentially guys are the backbone of the economy and you are my target audience as well congratulations and anyway we're going to cover a couple of things we're going to talk about health and safety consultants why you should not use them we're going to talk about your health and safety advisor health and safety professional why you should sack them um we're going to also tell you how to do all that and still have a good health and safety management system have a good health and safety culture avoid fines claims etc we're going to tell you why you should get rid of your iso management system as well or if you're still on the old one the british occupational blah 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 i don't know anyway we're going to tell you how to do all of that in this podcast let's get into the podcast Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. So, welcome to 2019, welcome to Rebranding Safety if you are new to the channel. I, like I said, I hope you had a lovely Christmas break. I hope you've got some really cool New Year's resolutions. If you have, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter, let us know what they are, especially if they are health and safety related. FYI, if your New Year's resolutions are health and safety related, then you need to get a life. Even mine aren't. Oh, no, that's a lie they are. Anyway... So, what's coming up with Rebranding Safety in 2019? Let's have a quick chat about that. So, obviously, I keep promising YouTube. I keep taking two steps forward towards YouTube and then one step back. Um, Probably I'm a bit of a perfectionist and all the advice I get is just start, just start, just start. So, the other day I did just start. I uh, just hooked the video up, video camera up and was just like, boom, let's record it. Then uh, today I was like, let's get it on on, uh, the computer and we'll have a play around with it. and put it on the computer and the computer went Bloom. so yeah two steps back anyway youtube is coming this year we got a new mic this morning you are currently listening to it hopefully you can notice a difference uh, i can notice a slight difference but to you guys probably um, don't really care let's get into this podcast then let's talk about how we can save money so let's start with consultants health and safety consultants right they're lying to you Why am I saying that? Well, I'm going to give you one example. As I was doing some research for this podcast, I went on one consultant's website, which was primarily a fire-based consultant. So fire safety, fire assessments, etc, etc. And I had a frequently asked questions section on there, and it said, 
frequently asked question by a customer, can I do my own virus assessments? And they said, word for word, well probably not word for word, but they said give or take on their website, no, you cannot, you legally need a professional to do it. It's like you lying bastards. It says in the law, competent person, right? That could be, well I nearly swore again, uh, that's probably going to happen. I've, I've rated this podcast as explicit anyway, so I don't know why I'm trying to stop myself saying the F word, but it's going to come. But let, let's just try and hold off a little bit. Anyway, so this competent person needs to do a fire assessment. Now, competent is a bit of a great word sometimes, but really it's not. If we if you kind of measure it to the level of risk of your job, if you, if you own a high-rise block of flats, then yeah, probably you do need someone who's got a lot of experience, quite a lot of technical knowledge. You know, if you're got sleeping risks like a hospital or flats or something like that then yeah you might have um you might you might require a bit more of an in-depth professional but i would say 90 percent of businesses the business owner can go and put himself on a little wee course or even probably doesn't even need, need to do the course but it might make you feel better if you went and did a course you could obviously subscribe to this podcast and you'll become so much more of a better professional anyway and you can educate yourself on the internet and then boom you can go and do yourself a fire risk assessment it's simple guys yeah it's, it's how is a fire going to start and then if it starts how it's going to spread that's that's one part and then how are people going to get out of the building essentially guys that's pretty much it but there's loads and loads of guidance out there so that was one thing that that got that that consultant was lying and it really really annoyed me the next one is 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 that they're, they're profit based? Obviously, like all businesses are, yeah. But like I said to you in the other pro- in the other podcast, yeah, is you can't say that health and safety comes first because you're, you're lying because profit comes first or whatever you're producing comes first or whatever service you're providing comes first because if it didn't come first, you'd be out of the bloody business, wouldn't you? So safety doesn't come first. So you have to bear that in mind when you're hiring consultants that. It, it's profit based they, they are churning out so if they're going around doing fire assessments for example right they're churning out like five or six a day minimum yeah and it's going to be copy and paste it's going to be you know there are similarities between business and I don't want to absolutely smash consultants because they are there for a reason and they do help a lot of businesses but really guys you're wasting your money you do not need to go to them they don't know your business either you know no matter how long they spend with you if you've got a consultant over over a number of years and they're practically you know subcontracted part of your business and they might know you quite well but if you're just employing a contractor tomorrow next month yesterday or whatever then they don't know your business and no matter how long they they work you know on some kind of some of them do like familiarization visits and they come and spend a month with you or a week with you or a day with you or an hour with you it doesn't matter they're not going to know as well as you know your business nine times out of ten they also go over the top as well why do they go over the top because they need to cover their ass don't they they're liable for the advice they give yeah so uh, not, not to keep coming back to fire but unfortunately that's pretty much all I do at the moment so in a fire assessment you've got to highlight significant findings so significant findings means significant findings we touched about this on the on the recent risk assessment podcast but a lot of consultants put basically develop a snagging list 
they do this because they feel like um, because they're liable for their their guidance they feel like they have to you know highlight as much as everything and granted in my opinion that's probably just a bad risk assessor um, as opposed to necessarily meaning it's a bad business but I just find it very very common in consultants also you're probably gonna have a two page three page fire assessment based on the size of your business right you're, you're then going to have about 20 pages of caveats written on it yeah t's and c's guys are bloody huge with these consultants yeah don't get me wrong there's good ones out there right but normally they tend to go over the top nine times out of ten that they're, they're lying to you and <laughs> they're so profit based that they're not really out to help you yeah but also within your business it doesn't it doesn't develop ownership it misleads you as a business owner that you've kind of passed the buck and you haven't the ownership and the responsibility and the duty underneath the law still lies with you all they're doing is providing advice okay so in my mind it's better for you to just educate yourself but we'll come on to what you should do um, next anyway so when can you use a consultant then so should you just never never use them no I think you should use them I think fire is a good example as well sometimes if you if you're producing or doing some kind of process that's high risk you've got sleeping risk or quite a flammable process or explosive process you will need a consultant you will need an explosive uh, atmospheres expert or you will need a chemical expert or an engineering expert or something like that you know asbestos is a great example you, you will need an asbestos surveyor to come and survey your building um, if you own buildings or you might need some asbestos management help people get a bit scared of asbestos and I genuinely think you could do that yourself as well the HSE actually produces amazing guidance around the, around asbestos management so sometimes if you go into high-risk stuff you will need a really highly competent person to come and help you out but it's not the answer to everything hiring a consultant normally is a waste of money and normally doesn't help you so you're probably sitting there now saying, well, that's fine because I have or I'm going to employ a safety advisor, for example. So should you do that? Should you have a safety advisor? No, I don't think you should. If you've got one, I think you should sack them. Um, no, I don't really mean that. Don't actually sack them. Um, you know, don't put all people like me out of business. But essentially, guys, um, you in a small and medium-sized enterprise, Unless you're doing something really high risk, you don't need a safety professional. And in my opinion, the safety industry is just a, a development of a misinterpretation of the regs. I don't think it should exist. People like me should not exist. Should they exist for, you know, specific high level, real technical high risk stuff? Yes, they should. That's where consultants come in. Or that's where a business might hire a risk professional or a chemical engineer or something like that. Yeah. Or like, you know, if they're talking about culture and things like our behavior, they might hire a psychologist or something like that. And that's fine. But for most small and medium sized enterprises, I don't think you need them. Um, I would say that you should really focus on training yourself and educating yourself and training your managers. Focus on building a culture. You know, focus on leadership. Um, and the benefits that come from that um, will be more than just health and safety. And you'll, you'll end up, in my mind, I think you'll end up producing money instead of saving money. Um, 
you know, if you end up getting to a position where you think, you know what, we do need people looking at health and safety, then I would say build a risk department. Don't build a health and safety department, build a risk department. Build a department that looks at financial risk, reputational risk, health and safety risk, all these different types of risks. So now let's talk about ISO management systems, or there are many other versions of ISO management systems. And the health and safety one is the OSHAS 18001. Um, and obviously, you might have seen if you follow the news around health and safety that ISO have now taken on the 45001, which is the OHAS. I could never work out how you meant to pronounce that acronym, but the OSHAS standard which was never ISO but it was you know always part of the package if that makes sense hey 2001 that was the health and safety one anyway so there's now ISO have the 45001 which is basically 18001 on steroids they've added a bit around leadership which is good and and leadership is always something in my mind that was missing from ISO however that being said unless your customers demand it from you so a lot of um companies that manufacture stuff um or produce stuff um maybe even services as well but more so in manufacturing of products a lot of customers demand all of the isos so you know 9001 18001 14001 um like the main three i think Anyway, so they ask for the quality, the health and safety and environmental one, and, and it's normally, you know, part of the, your tender process, and, and you have to have them. So if you have to have them, that's fine. Forget this bit of the podcast and just skip a little bit. Or maybe not, because it might be good for you to, to listen. In my opinion, these standards, um, and focusing on health and safety, so not, not so much about the quality, maybe environment as well, but they are a management system. Okay, so whilst they talk about cultures and behaviours and all stuff like that, they don't encourage you as a business to actually develop that environment to to develop a good culture or develop um, good behaviours. In my mind, it forces you into that historical, dated, paper-based management system. And I've seen it time and time again with many businesses where you could have a gold standard or whatever in an ISO, be passing your six monthly audits every single every single time with flying colours, but yet you go there and you look around and you think, what an absolute shithole. You know, audits can be tweaked and you know if you get a good auditor we'll probably be able to see through it but you know I've seen it where the auditor just gets bought a couple of pizzas and that's it done you've got your pass with flying colours and yes again we're coming back to the competency of the auditor like we, when we were talking about risk assessments but still you know the whole system just encourages you to have paper and they audit you on paper and in my mind that's what gives us a bad a negative image is that there's just so much paperwork and it's bloody overwhelming and there's just so much of it and when I've worked for businesses that had ISO it led my life it dominated my my career um, whilst I was there um, so I really don't think they're worth the, the, the paper they're written on um, I, I think um, 
any system you know that they they give you or any guidance that these management systems give you it's out there guys for free so just go and get it for free and do it and if you want to implement an iso system and do it just don't bloody pay for the audits and pay for the 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 label on the front of your product like i say you might be required it by your customer if you are you are but it's a waste of Oh, it's getting close. I was nearly there. Nearly said the F word again. I, I think it's just gonna, just gonna. We're just gonna have to go for it. I mean, it, I think it practically made Gary Vanderchuk famous. You know the way he curses. So, anyway, moving on. Um, you know, just go on the HST guys and just have a look before you think about doing that stuff. Have a look at that. Have a look at HSG sixty five. Well, it's not called that anymore, is it? Um, Plan do check act, or is it still HSG sixty five? But it's not called. Yeah, I think it, it's still HSG sixty five. I think, but they've changed the actual look of it. Anyway, Plan do check act. Yeah, that's all your ISOs are going to give you is Plan do check act. Right, so if you really, really, really think about plan and do and check and act and, and read the guidance around it, which is free of charge and it's all out there, I think you'll do better. So there are three ways that you can immediately save money um, with health and safety. Yeah, so we can get rid of our consultants, we can not hire a safety professional and we get rid of our ISOs. There are three, in my mind, quick wins and big cost saving initiatives. So, how do you still manage your, your safety system then? You might be asking, you know, how, how do I cover all this stuff? It's a lot to cover, James. Yeah, okay, maybe it can seem like that, but actually it's not. I, and I'm going to give you some advice now on, on how to manage these systems um, and how to manage health and safety in your workplace so that you can not have these, these consultants and advisors and ISOs, but still have a safe working environment and provide a safe working environment one and this is the most important thing is do not focus on health and safety focus on building a nice place to work oh, all right god this guy's a bit far left any yeah i get it it sounds woolly it sounds soft but really think about it focus on building an environment that is your staff want to go to yeah focus on being a leader focus on developing that family like you care you know when's the last time if you've got staff now when's the last time you said to your your member of a member of your team hey how you doing and you might say yesterday okay there's another question when's the last time you said hey how you doing and actually cared about the response how many of you know what their husbands and wives do for a job how their kids doing at school, where they walk their dog. Get to know your staff like you know your brothers and your sisters and your wives and your boyfriends and your husbands. Yeah, treat them like family because what you naturally do in family, you naturally protect each other. So if you consider your colleagues as the next best thing since your family, then you're going to naturally protect them and then you end up building a protective environment and a safe environment and you've not even wrote anything down on paper yet so here's an example of something i um i heard on a video the other day i saw it on facebook by a dr justin colson uh, i think he's got a business or a book or a channel called happy families um and um and i heard this and it really got me thinking so i'm just gonna really really paraphrase um what he said and, and just google um dr justin colson um if you want to listen to it properly 
basically he says, long story short, his daughter's driving his, him somewhere in the car and um, she's not very happy. So he says, hey, what's wrong? And she says, oh, long story short, I've, I've, I found out my friends had a party and I wasn't invited. Oh, right, okay. So, so why weren't you invited? Because oh, it's not the kind of party that Dr. Justin Coulson um, would agree with. Um, so, obviously, it was jo- Dr. Justin Coulson's daughter that was say- saying this. So, they didn't invite her because it wasn't something her dad would agree with. Um, and he said, okay, right. So, I'm going to assume then at this party there was uh, alcohol and possibly a misuse of alcohol. She said yes, and there was possibly drugs and, and possibly misuse of drugs. Yes, um, and possibly dark rooms and dark corners where um, couples would go and, I don't know, misuse each other. Um, and she said yes. And he said okay, and obviously all three of those are against the rules. So he says to his daughter, so do you think we should change the rules? Or do do you like the rules, he says. And she says, no, I don't like the rules. So he says, as a father, he essentially shit himself. I thought this is the moment everyone dreads. So he said, maybe we should think about changing the rules. And maybe we should have that conversation together about changing the rules. And she said, hang on a minute, Dad. I don't like the rules at the moment, but when I'm older, when I'm an adult, I think I'll like the rules and I'll be thankful for the rules. And then to summarize that story, he basically then said, what he's not doing is not forcing the rules on his daughter. He's giving her an opportunity um, to be part of that decision. So force equals resistance. So what he's not doing is is creating force and therefore resistance. He's focusing on building a relationship with his daughter, and his focus then by focusing on relationship building, sorry, he's developing autonomy. Autonomy then builds trust, and trust builds influence. So instead of trying to force health and safety on our staff by you know paperwork and ISO management systems and forcing this system on our staff, if we then focus on building relationships with our staff, creating autonomy, and then build and then getting trust or building trust, and then gaining influence on our teams, we would then build an effective business, not an effective safety system, not an effective culture, an effective business that will naturally manage health and safety. So there are times in your business and in your operations that you might actually need to know the law. So, you know, should you focus on managing the law? No, you should focus on managing risk because that nine times out of ten is what the law is asking us to do. Okay, so we're talking about managing risk. So my first bit of advice would jump back to the last poo two po- poo co- podcast poo podcast. Wow, wow, okay. Um, I'm going to say that that's hopefully not a subconscious review of my own podcast. Um, Anyway, back on track, the last two podcasts about risk. But you do need to know the law. So, you know, there's a couple of basics like the Health and Safety at Work Act, the Management Health and Safety at Work Act. They're two quite important ones. You don't need to read the whole whole thing. You just need to focus on a couple of key sections, you know, section two, section seven, um, and there's a few more. And and to be honest, guys, I'm probably going to do a podcast on the Health and Safety at Work Act and the key points for you to focus on. So keep your ears out for that one. The Management Health and Safety Act, if it a work act if i'm honest it just says do a risk assessment but it's good to know 
if you are in a building um, or rent a building, um, you need to do a fire assessment. So the fire safety order, the regulatory reform order is a good one to know. Um, and then there's a couple of generic ones like manual handling and things like that. But if I'm honest, guys, ACOPS. Approved codes of practice, okay? So there's one of these for nearly every every law, right? Well, there is one of these for everything, basically. Go on the HSE and have a look. Pick the ones that apply to your business, yeah? So if you lift stuff, then pick it up and have a read at the manual handling one. If you have water systems or you are a window cleaner, you know, pick it up, have a look, have a look at L8 and just educate yourself, yeah? Do you need to go on courses? Okay, maybe, yeah. A couple of courses might help. So should you go and do yourself a NEBOSH or an NCRQ diploma or something like that? If I'm honest guys, no I don't think so. I think they focus again on just getting a qualification. You know, believe me, I've been through them. They they, they do teach you some stuff, but NEBOSH especially in my opinion is a focus on how to pass the exam. It doesn't really teach you how to do safety. It's kind of like a driving test, you know, you learn to drive after you pass your test. Um, so I would say pick some specific courses, you know, specific things like a risk assessment course, a cost assessment course, you know, manual handling trainer course, manual handling assessment course, you know, whatever is in your, in your business that you do, specific courses that will complement that are going to be more beneficial for your business i would also educate yourself on relationship management leadership and building culture yeah so so here's a little something i made up the other day um it's a kind of a collection of loads of different people um things from psychologists things from entrepreneurs things from safety people behavioral safety things like that so we talk a lot about culture, right? And we talk a lot about how people act, right? So how do we join the two? Because actions is down on the shop floor and culture seems to be up in the office rooms while we talk about it. We don't really grasp it, yeah? And, and like I say, I will do a podcast around culture. It's on my to-do list for 2019. So it's in the schedule and we will talk about it. But this is just a little, a little um, taster. So this is something I thought of. So we're trying to change actions of how people work and how people operate. I think that's part of where safety really struggles and actually really changing how people act. So and that's an action, right? So we're trying to make safety a habit. And I've said that a few times, trying to make it a habit. So what is a habit? A habit is a behavior. Okay, so we need to change people's behavior. How do we change people's behavior? Well, that's kind of where behavioral safety systems went wrong. We always focused on behaviors and we showed people like videos of people doing stupid stuff and we said hey, see that is behavioral safety gone wrong that's you you're doing it wrong it's your fault yeah well that's wrong that's the wrong way we were supposed to look at the environment because the environment creates the behaviors so how do we change the environment then we focus on culture okay how do we get culture is we focus on ourselves and we focus on leadership and we focus on relationship buildings and the stuff i've been speaking about in the last few podcasts if we focus on that then we build a good culture within our business which then creates a nice environment and a positive environment which then influences our behaviors which then creates good habits which then creates good actions and boom, we've nailed the health and safety system.
So some of you might be sitting there listening to this and thinking, you know what, James, I'm I'm a I'm a realist here. Yeah, this stuff is not gonna happen. It's a load of you know mamby pamby bullshit that's just not gonna happen. Well, one I Oh, I nearly did it again. I hate people that sit there and go, look, James, I'm a realist, okay? What, what is a realist? I heard in a podcast the other day, a realist is just somebody who is a cynic, but what doesn't want to admit they're a cynic, okay? So you're full of shit. So stop lying to yourself. Stop kidding yourself. You're not a realist, yeah? Stop feeding the myth. Stop believing all these myths about health and safety. You know, once you deal with these two things within yourselves, yeah, and focus on this so-called mamby-pamby soft crap, yeah, then we'll start building a safe and a good business. And, and not just, you know, forget about health and safety. If we do this stuff, we'll end up just having good businesses, really good businesses. But when you're sitting there reading the sun or watching the news and hearing about health and safety gone mad, you know, you listen to my podcast where I talked about health and safety mad, and I basically just ranted down the down the microphone for, for 20 minutes. You know, Bath rugby team not letting in flags or something like that. Anyway, stop believing that stuff, yeah? It may or may not have happened. That doesn't matter. That's just one person making, in my opinion, a bad decision. Forget about them. That's not... That's not what matters. What matters is you and your business. Yeah. So let's conclude. We have covered a hell of a lot of information there. So what are we what are we saying? Let's summarize. So first things first, dump your ISOs. If you've got them, get rid of them. If you need them, keep them, but do all this other stuff on the side. Okay? If you're thinking about hiring a safety advisor and you're not high risk or you haven't got any kind of high risk operations or anything like that, don't. Get rid of them. Probably don't sack them, okay? I don't want to be responsible for putting people out of the job. But sit down with them and have these conversations. Hey, I just listened to a podcast at the weekend. What do you think? Your safety advisor will be probably sitting there going, oh, thank God, this is what I've been trying to say to you for ages. I want you to read this book, you know, Accidents to Zero or something like that. I want you to sit down with me and talk about how we can develop a good culture, yeah? So if you've got a safety advisor already and you own a business, don't sack them. That was just a, you know, attention-grabbing title. Don't use consultants, they're lying to you, they're overpriced, they're, they're, they go over the top. Um, if, you, if you need specific targeted advice or guidance on something, then hire a consultant on a one-off basis. That is fine, yeah? You might want to bring them in, a culture-based, you know, uh, expert consultant, bring them in to work around this kind of stuff we've spoken on today. That's fine. I haven't got a problem with that. But don't employ them on a long-term basis to be your health and safety advisor. So now you've done that, you've saved some money, you need to focus on yourself. So what were the things we touched on today? We touched on, one, educating yourself, knowing the law, or understanding ACOPS, you know, but basically just understanding where you get this information from and most of it is from the HSE everything is on the HSE websites work on communication work on relationship building yeah work on being the leader um, that will build a good business culture so I hope you found that useful guys I hope that helps you out I hope that was um, just interesting um, if you're a safety advisor then I hope you know that's kind of maybe 
you're sitting there going, "Guy, you're preaching to the choir. How can I? How can I make this work?" Um, essentially, this, we're all struggling with it. Um, maybe, maybe get your boss to listen to this, or, or, or get them to kind of read some books that you've read, or something like that. I don't know. I would, we will talk about that stuff. I don't want to give away all my podcasts on this one podcast. So that was the first podcast of 2019. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been worthwhile. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook forward slash Risk Fluent or on Twitter at Risk Fluent. And, um, and yeah, let us know how you have saved money with health and safety and let us know what platform you are listening to us on is it anchor is it itunes not itunes is it apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher you know we're available on a lot of platforms um unfortunately the analytics i get on the platform that i use to upload this is not great um so yeah please let us know guys catch you later see you next week We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a shameless sponsorship clip. In all seriousness, guys, we've partnered up with DRM Group. You know David McLean, he's been on the podcast time and time again. We absolutely support his message and he's got a brand new online course to help you. I'm gonna let him tell you all about it now. The brain can be trained to think and behave differently, to think in more positive and optimistic ways. And there are steps that you can take to train your brain to feel good for good. And we call this lasting positive change. Through our 16-day program, which includes daily videos and action sheets, taking you no longer than 15 minutes to complete a day. You will learn how to move away from thoughts of anger, hopelessness and frustration to a place of mental well-being and positivity. Okay, guys, so if you're interested, you can click the link below and get a discount, special rebranding safety discount. Full disclosure, we get a little bit kickback from that. So at the same time as improving your mental health, you can support your favorite health and safety podcast YouTube channel. I'll let you get back into the content.